0: Today I'm going to share about the importance of forgiveness, about walking in forgiveness towards others and even ourselves. It's a very powerful tool that God's given to us to help us succeed in our future and to remove ourselves from the past. Unfortunately, it's not a tool that Christians use as often as we should. Um, In this world, we are going to be hurt by people, and we ourselves are going to hurt others, and we're going to disappoint even ourselves in this life. Sometimes uh, weekly, sometimes daily, sometimes many times a day. We need to learn how to walk in forgiveness. And forgiveness is us choosing to let go and release others of the obligation of something they've done. And I, I don't want to, I'm trying not to today. ...give too many examples, personal examples... ...just because we all have horror stories of things that have been done wrong to us... ...but there's always someone with a a worse story than you have... ...someone has had it more difficult and has been damaged much more than you have or I have... ...and so I don't want to make this a competition of who's done worse... ...or who has been done worse by others... ...because it doesn't matter what's been done wrong... Forgiveness is the same for anything that has been done wrong against you. And and so, we want to share from the scripture today the importance of forgiveness. But before I get to the scripture, I want us to understand that this is a tool that you have in your hands right now. When you have unforgiveness in your heart, that means that something happened. Either someone did something to you, or you did something to someone else, or you disappointed yourself. And so there's like a, uh, you ever see those old pic- Polaroid pictures where they, they take a picture and it prints out the photo right there? It's called a Polaroid. And so there's many times where if I went back to your past and took a photo, a Polaroid shot of some moment in your life, the one moment where you said something or you did something, and maybe you've moved on from that moment. Maybe it was 20 years ago. Or maybe it was yesterday. You've tried to move on from that moment. You've moved on. You've changed. But unforgiveness is what it does is it's like taking a photo of a moment in time and holding that as this is it. This is who you are. And so when we hold those photos, those Polaroids of unforgiveness to the past of others, or to our past. We're really saying that this moment in time is where life is. This moment in time, this thing that happened, this thing that was said, this one moment is what life is for that person, for myself forever. And really, in essence, God can forgive someone, but when you choose not to forgive them, that moment is trapped in time, and it holds you and that person in your eyes, trapped by that one photograph, that one moment. And how many times have we've messed up? We've said something wrong, we've done something wrong to other people. And that's the, the point of forgiveness, is to know that I have a tool in my hand that I can use whenever I am done wrong or hurt or uh, disappointed by people, and even disappointed in myself, That i have a tool that i have is called forgiveness and i have to learn how to be a good craftsman in forgiveness if i'm going to manage to succeed in the future i honestly believe that if we don't know how to forgive on a regular basis that we mess up our future in fact we set up ourselves to repeat the same thing over and over set up ourselves to be hurt the same way over and over, by not releasing and forgiving others from our past. Again, I'm trying not to give a lot of personal examples, because we all have hurt, we all have disappointments. We all need to know how to forgive every day. And it's important that we learn this practice, to forgive, to let go, to accept that we're in a world where people are going to disappoint us, and they say the ones who are closest to us are the ones who can hurt us the most. And so it can be very personal who's hurt you, who's lost your trust. And forgiveness is never about the other person, forgiveness is about you. So let me just start by saying there's a difference in my mind of forgiveness and trust. That I forgive people not for their sake, not because they've asked forgiveness. I forgive them to cut the tie, cut the string between us that happened in that moment. Because really, someone can control you if you don't forgive them. You can be controlled by something that happened to you. And so forgiveness is my ability to cut that string, to rip up that picture and say, that no longer defines me, that no longer has power over me. I am choosing to forgive them, forgive that moment. I myself am moving forward in God. And so that is forgiveness. Forgiveness is you releasing other people of owing you anything for something that was done to you. So you're free to move on, and God is the one who repays you, not that person. Now, trust is different. Trust is earned. So someone could say to you, you have to forgive me, and that's true. But they cannot say to you, you have to trust me. And so someone could break trust, and still have to earn that trust even though you've forgiven them. I had one girl one time when I was young you know, in ministry and at Bible college, and she said, Hey, will you lend me five bucks? So I lent her five dollars, and a week later she said to me when she was supposed to pay me back, Hey, you know, I was, you lent me five dollars? I said, Yeah. Well, the Bible says you're supposed to owe no man anything, so you really have to forgive me of that and released me from that. So she knowingly borrowed that money, knowingly that she wasn't going to pay me back, and expected me to forgive her of that debt. Well, I forgave her. I said, you're right. I forgive you. Uh, you don't owe me the $5, but don't ask me for another $5 because you're not going to get it. So forgiving is not the art of forgiving. The practice of forgiving is not setting yourself up to be a pin cushion for other people to constantly abuse you over and over and over the same way i'm not saying that you have to set yourself up to be abused or taken advantage of forgiveness is about you releasing people from what they owe you from their past and your past but trusting is about the future and saying look you have to earn my trust many drug addicts that i've dealt with with the past young people who've fallen into drugs They have a streak of four years of drug abuse and stealing from family and falling into drugs and lying and all that. And they make a change in their heart. And they make a change in their lifestyle. And after one week of success, many of them are angry that their family won't trust them. Hey, I'm not the same person. I quit drugs last week. And why are you being suspicious of me? Why are you not trusting me? Well, understand, forgiveness is different than trust. I tell those young people that who have come out of drugs, look, you sent a track record of misusing and abusing people's trust for four years. You have to earn that trust, and that may take 20 years to earn their trust, because you've lied and cheated. But forgiveness is different. Forgiveness is, they forgive you, they need to forgive you. They need to say, you don't owe me from your past. But it doesn't mean they have to trust you because you've just made a change in one week. So when I talk about unforgiveness towards others, I'm saying you are obligated by Scripture to forgive others no matter how bad it was. But it's not for their sake mainly. It's mainly for your sake to release you from that moment of of the past so you don't live there and are stuck there. If you have unforgiveness in your heart of any part, you will find that you're trapped there you're locking yourself to that moment when really you're you're robbing from your future to hold something in the past and people are amazing in a bad way how much they can damage other people i've watched situations and seen things of horrible things as a pastor ministering to families and ministering to people who've come out of drug abuse families of mol- molestation have come out of horrible situations and abusive situations where horrible, horrible things can happen to people. Horrible, horrible experiences that don't deserve forgiveness. But forgiveness is not about deserving, because remember, forgiveness is about you forgiving others for your sake, not for their sake. It is a part for them, but mainly for your sake. Earning trust, you don't have to trust someone just like that girl who wanted five more dollars later on, I, I never gave her another dollar because she lost my trust. But I forgave her of what she did to me by not giving me what she owed me. And so the scripture we want to talk about today is in Matthew chapter 18. And this is a very foundational teaching. It's really important that you get this in your heart because you're going to get to practice this many, many times in your life towards other people, towards people who are really close to you, to people that you love and people that you respect. They're all going to let you down in one way or another. And to yourself. There's times where you'll disappoint yourself. And one of the main areas of unforgiveness is when we don't forgive ourselves for failing in the past. And it's important that we, we give ourselves some grace sometimes too. So the scripture we're going to start with here is in Matthew chapter 18, and we'll start in verse 21. Now the discussion here is on forgiveness, forgiving others. And Peter pipes in to try to, uh, I think here to show how forgiving he is, by saying to Jesus, and Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me? And I forgive him up to seven times? So Peter thought that was pretty uh, nice of him. Hey, what if I forgave him seven times? That's pretty good. Eighth time I get to not forgive him. And Jesus responds to him in verse 22. I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. So that's 490 times that he's telling Peter basically, listen, you're seeing forgiveness as something that you will give to someone as long as they do better. But Jesus is saying forgiveness is about something you do all the time. Seventy times seven, that's 490 times. Verse 23. Jesus goes into a parable, and we're going to read the whole parable here. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king, who wanted to settle accounts with his servants... And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him ten thousand talents. But as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had, and that the payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him in the prison till he should pay the debt. So when the fellow servants saw that he had what he had done, they were very grieved, and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you begged me. Should you not also have compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry, and delivered him to the torturers, until he should pay all the debt that was due him. So my heavenly father also will do to you, if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. So here is the parable, the parable of the unforgiving servant. The master was collecting debts. And it says here that in this kingdom, he was going to settle debts with accounts with all his servants, and he began to settle accounts, verse 24, one was brought to who owed him 10,000 talents. So we want to stop there, because this one servant owed the king, the master, 10,000 talents. Well, how much is that? There's many different variations, but pretty much it's about anywhere in our world, about $5 billion to $1 trillion. A lot of money, about 200 thousand lifetimes of working a job, not just hours, but lifetimes, whole lifetimes. If you worked 60 years in your life, and you took every penny, you'd have to live 200,000 lifetimes of giving every penny you earned to pay off that debt. This debt was to the moon. It was unpayable. And that was the point of the parable, was... This servant owed so much he can never pay it back. Now, in this parable, God is the master, He's the king. You are the first servant that owed a debt that could not be paid. You owed a debt that no matter how much you worked in this world, in your life, you could never pay it. It was unpayable, it was way to the moon and back. You were so much in debt, you were never going to pay it back. And so this was a debt that you owed, and it was called having the sin nature. You owed a debt of sin that you could never pay, and that's why you had to have Christ pay that debt for you, so you could be forgiven of that debt, and you were now free to not owe any debt, but to run in the freedom of God. You were the first master. There's an old song. I wrote down the the lyrics to it that I remember. It says he paid He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace all day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. So we had a debt of sin that it was impossible for us to ever earn and pay uh, our way out of. And that was the price that Jesus paid, that He laid down His life and shed His blood, so you could be forgiven of that debt and be born into the family of God. It was a debt you could not pay. It could take you 200,000 lifetimes of every ounce of, of earnings, and you still would not have enough to pay that debt back. So the first servant in this story is you. You were forgiven a debt that was something you could never pay, and it's called being saved. (laughs) That you were born again and freed from the debt of sin because of Jesus' blood. Verse 25, But he was not able to pay his master, commanded that he be sold, and his wife and children, and that all he had and the payments be made. And the servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. So even with him saying, I'll pay you all, he's still being a little arrogant there, he was forgiven. And the master of the servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. So the master released him, and forgave him of the obligation to pay back the debt. That's what happened to you and I when we were born again. We didn't have to pay pay or earn our way to heaven through holiness, through anything, through giving. We were forgiven because Jesus was enough. Jesus paid the debt for us. And then verse 28. But the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So, in tradition or history, back then, if someone owed you a debt, then you could put them in prison and put that debt on, you know, that onto the family until you're paid back. And he said, "He." But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, "Pay me what you owe." Now, it's important to know that this hundred denarii is about. It's still quite a bit. It's about ten thousand dollars in in our language. So this fellow servant still owed him quite a bit. Now he was just forgiven. The first servant was just forgiven of a trillion dollars of something that he'd never be able to pay back. And he found someone who he actually owed him. See, the point is that he was owed that debt, and he was owed about ten thousand dollars. He went to the guy that owed him about. $10,000, and he laid, laid hands on him and said, by the throat and said, pay me back what you owe. So the fellow servant laid down at his feet and begged him, saying, have patience with me, I'll pay you all. So the first servant in the story is you. You are forgiven a debt you can never pay. No matter how hard, no matter how much you wanted to, no matter what you gave, it was never going to be enough. And that debt was going to send you to hell. And then the second servant here is someone who hurts you. It's someone who damaged you, no matter how bad it was. It's not saying it didn't happen. It's not trying to make light of what happened to you. It's not making light of what the betrayal or the hurt that happened to you. But what it's saying is that that debt, that even though it was horrible and could be super bad, that happened to you. It still wasn't the same as the debt you were forgiven of. And this servant here took the one who owed him, and didn't forgive him of the debt. And it's interesting, because if that servant owed him $10,000, technically that $10,000 should have went to his master, who he owed a trillion dollars to. And so even that wasn't owed to him technically, because it was money he used from the debt that he was just forgiven of. So his fellow servant, verse 29, fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I'll pay you all. And he would not, but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So he went and would not forgive. And that's what I'm saying, that when you go through an experience, no matter how long it was, you think about it. You have a photograph, a Polaroid picture of that moment. And because of that, you've frozen time in place for you and the other person in that moment and you've held that there this is who you are and i thank god for forgiveness of myself i've done things and said stupid things and and done stupid things in my life especially when i was younger and dumber and thank god for forgiveness from other people and forgiveness of god and forgiveness of myself because i've made mistakes and i've hurt people not intentionally Uh, i've said things stupid things and hurt people not intentionally but You know, sometimes if you're in an argument and you're heated, you say things and do things. And if you didn't have forgiveness, we'd never move on. Thank God someone doesn't take a Polaroid and show it to me from 20 years ago and say, you did this, this is who you are. Because I'm not that person anymore. I've moved on. But irregardless if the person has moved on or not, they may be the same as they were 30 years ago you should move on. You should free yourself from that moment, release yourself from that moment, because otherwise, you could be controlled by your own unforgiveness. So this second servant is the person who has hurt you, and harmed you, and done you wrong. They owe you a debt, because they have abandoned you, they've robbed you, they lied to you, they've, they've talked bad about you. People can do crazy things. And in life, you have to forgive. You have to move on. I've learned to just let people be people. That's who they are. And because of, I've practiced the, the art of forgiveness and used the tool of forgiveness, it's allowed me to not make my life about other people. That people can fail around me and make mistakes and, and sometimes hurt me. It's about God. It's about me fulfilling my call and me being a blessing to them. And what that means is, I find my strength in God. When I quit looking at people, I stopped giving them power to hurt me. I found my approval in God. I find my provision in God. I find my um, love from God. I find my worth in God. And as I've matured in God and spent time, this is the work of the Holy Spirit in you, when you spend time with God, you'll find that he begins to disconnect you from finding your self-worth in things, in other people, and you start finding your worth in value in the way that God sees you. And because of that, then you no longer look to people as a source of strength, as a source of your self-worth. And so they can't hurt you when your value is seen only in God. And this is the mark of a mature Christian, that God is your source. So that allows you, because God is my source, I don't need to collect debts from people around me. Because they don't owe me anything. I've released them. And really the message here in chapter 18 is the point. If you make God your everything, then no man should owe you anything at all. Because God is your source. And that means that God can begin to use you to allow people in your life that may hurt you, that may take advantage of you and knowing God will knowing that you will not destroy them because they hurt you you will not retaliate you'll forgive them it allows you to be used of God I've had some people come to me and they want me to pray they say will you pray for me to get a better job a job I'm at the boss is mean takes advantage of me the boss lies about me the boss never promotes me there's no one Christian in my job. I need a nice job with a good boss. And I have to say, I can't pray that prayer, that God will give you a nice job with a nice boss. Because God may have you in that situation to where that man has never found someone to forgive him. God may have you there so you can show him forgiveness. God may need you there. You don't want to move a job for your prosperity. You want to be the job that God has you in. It's similar how David had Saul attacking him and abusing him. And when he went to retaliate, he even just to the littlest thing, went and asked God to forgive him for his own retaliation against Saul. You don't have to put up with abuse. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying you have to be in a place where you're abused or taken advantage of. But what I'm saying is if you learn how to forgive and to live in forgiveness and walk in forgiveness, you become a vessel God can use to put around people who are abusive. Not that they can abuse you but God can put you around people who talk mean and say things who've chased away a thousand other Christians, and you're not running, because God placed you there to express love. Because understand, even the the worst of the worst, the worst person you can think of, I had one man that I had to help put in prison who was abusing his grandchildren sexually. And as a minister, I participated in stopping it and helping him go to prison, because we did not need that to continue on. But on the other hand, I also reached out to the grandfather to share the love of Christ, that there was salvation for him and repentance for him, that even though he had done such a horrendous act and actions, God still wanted him to go to heaven. See, we don't want to wish anyone to go to hell. God doesn't want to wish anyone, even the ones who are you might think deserve it, <laughs> Because Jesus paid a price, so we don't have to, and no one has to go to hell. Jesus paid a price, so even the worst of the worst of the worst can find salvation. And that is the compassion of God. And see, if we hold people to the debt they owe us, we're kind of saying, you know what, I'm stronger than God, or my opinion is more important than God's opinion that you're so horrible, I'm going to hold you by this Polaroid as proof of why you don't deserve to be forgiven. The first servant in this story did not see or value the forgiveness that was given to him. And that can happen to us as Christians, because we went to God and we asked Jesus in our heart. That was a washing away of every debt we owed Every debt that Adam gave to us to pay off for to be a child of God was instantly wiped out and paid for by the blood of Jesus. So, we're happy we're born again, but sometimes we don't realize the significance of what happened to us when God forgave the debt that we owed because of Adam. And so, it can be easy sometimes if we don't see the significance and the power and how much of a debt we really did owe that we were going to go to hell. We were going to spend eternity, every moment, forever, in hell. You think about it. I heard one preacher one time. It really helped me. um, It almost got me saved again. And he was talking about how long eternity was and how you need to get saved so you don't spend eternity in hell. And the way he said it was, there was a, a bird, maybe an eagle, that grabbed a little Kleenex tissue paper out of the box and flew over Mount Everest. And as that eagle flew over Mount Everest, it touched the top of Mount Everest with the, with the Kleenex, and then it landed. And the next day it flew back the other way with another Kleenex and just touched the top of the Mount Everest with that tissue paper and landed. Then the next morning it did the same thing. Every day it just flew over once a day and touched the top of the mountain of Mount Everest with the tissue paper. And he said, when that eagle has worn down Mount Everest by touching the paper to the mountain every day, once a day, when that eagle has worn Mount Everest down to a plain, to flat, that is just one day of eternity. The eternity is forever, and that's where you were going before you found Jesus. Because you owed a debt that was impossible to pay, no matter how good you were no matter how much you you tried, when we stand before God, He's not going to say to you, well, give me your list of good works, and give me your list of bad works, and then I'll decide, if your good works outweigh your bad works, then you go to heaven. What allows you to go to heaven is this debt being paid by the blood of Jesus, and you asking God to forgive you. That's why we say in our sinner's prayer, Lord, forgive me for my sins. It's not that you're saying, my actions i'm changing as much as you're saying i need you to forgive me i need to be forgiven of this debt i need to be released of this debt because i can never pay it and i receive christ meaning i receive the new nature but i also receive that he paid the debt for me you're the first servant here who's been forgiven of a debt that you could never pay The second servant is any person who has hurt you, hurt you in the past, hurt you today, any person who owes you a debt because they harmed you, they did something, and it could be legitimate, and it could be horrible, but it's still not as, as big as a debt that you owed God. And that is the problem in this scripture here. That's the revelation of the first servant did not know how much he owed the master did not appreciate it, and because he did not appreciate it, he would not forgive the person who owed him a much, much smaller uh, debt. And so, when the second servant owed him $10,000, which is still significant, uh, he did not forgive him. And that is the message that Jesus is telling to the disciples and to you, that you must have a revelation as the first servant. It is very important, That you have a revelation of what you were forgiven. That you were bound by that nature of sin. You were born into it. It wasn't your fault, but you owed that debt. You had to pay that debt. If you were going to ever be a child of God and live eternity with God instead of hell. You were born on a pathway to go to hell. And Jesus paid the debt. Forgave you by Him paying for the debt. He forgave you of you owing that debt. That's how much you've been forgiven. And when you understand how much you've been forgiven, then it helps you to realize, wow, I need to forgive all these other people and forgive even the worst because it's not near of what I owed. I realize how much I was forgiven, how much the blood of Jesus has purchased for me, my salvation. It saved me from hell. It saved me from an eternity of being separated from God, eternity of punishment, undeserved punishment, but punishment nonetheless. Hell was not made for men. Hell was made for sin. And when Adam sinned, it sent the whole human race on a road to hell. And there was no saving us. We were going to live and die and spend eternity in hell until God made a way, a miraculous way for Jesus to be born, to live and die in perfection, and to become our Lamb, our sacrifice so we can be forgiven of that debt. That is the debt that you can never pay. That song again, He paid a debt that He did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, all day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. And when we acknowledge this incredible debt that we owed. We were trapped and chained and and we were destined for hell because we were chained to a nature of sin. And that nature of sin was taking us to a, down a road that we would end up in hell. No matter how good we were, no matter how much we wanted to change, it was impossible. But you asked forgiveness, you repented of sin, and you asked Jesus in your heart and you were born again, and you were freed of that debt. And now someone owes you. And it's because they did something to you, they took advantage to you, they lied to you, they abused you, they cheated on you. And again, it's not a competition, because there's always someone worse. It's always horrible. But he wants forgiveness, not for just for the person who was damaged, but also for the one who did the damage. There's forgiveness for the, the person who was cheated on and also for the cheater if you change. And so the art of forgiveness, the tool of forgiveness is being able to daily say, I don't want anything that has been done to me, anything that has happened to me to dictate to me my future anymore. My future is to be free of my past. Yes, we can learn lessons. And yes, we hopefully change in our bad habits in our, if we've hurt people in the past. But we want to release ourselves of anything that's been done to me, every person who owes me something, whether it's finances, whether it's uh, they hurt me, they lied to me, they cheated, they promised me things they never did. That's this world. I mean, come on, that's, we're going to have that in our workplace, in our families. No one's perfect. We're not perfect. We're going to hurt people, sometimes by accidents, sometimes out of just having a bad day. We're always going to need forgiveness. And to know how much God forgave you is why we should be, that revelation is what this verse is talking about. That when you have that revelation of how much God actually forgave you, you dirty, rotten, scoundrel, you, how much God forgave you because he loved you. Not because you deserved it, because he loved you then when you have that revelation, you have no choice but to forgive people who owe you. Even though they do owe you, you have no choice to forgive them, because you have been you have been forgiven. You have received the love of God, the compassion of God, the forgiveness of God in your own life. How dare we not pass that on to other people? Especially other people who don't know God like you know God. And that's why it says here, and this verse I think can be misunderstood when it says, And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that he was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to each of you from his heart, who from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespass. The point here is not that God won't forgive you. Like when you go to before heaven, God says, you know that girl that took your uh, lollipop when you were six years old? You didn't forgive her all your life. So therefore, I won't forgive you. You're going to hell. No, it means that the person who can't forgive, the person who won't forgive, the person who will not forgive, won't be able to receive forgiveness from God because they won't understand what actually God did for them. They won't have faith to be forgiven of their own sins. They won't ask for forgiveness. They won't be saved because they won't be humble enough to ask for forgiveness. And so, therefore, if you live a life of unforgiveness, you need a revelation of what God really did for you, how much God really, really loves you, and how much He loves the person who hurts you, and how much He wants that person to walk in healing and wholeness and get to heaven. Even the worst of the worst, He wants everyone to get to heaven. And so then He says in verse 20-35, so my Heavenly Father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses. So it's not just verbally saying, I forgive you. It's actually making it part of your heart. And that's part of the process that I'll close with. That That when we forgive others, it's about us releasing them. I'm freeing you up of what you owe me. I'm not holding you any longer because I know how much I've been forgiven so I'm forgiving you. Again, trust is not the same as forgiveness. You can still forgive someone but not trust them until they earn that trust again. Um, but I forgive you. I no longer hold you accountable or uh, you don't have to pay me back. Now, personally, you don't have to pay me back uh, because God's paying me back. God is the one who's my source, my source of self-worth, my source of strength, my source of finances. Because He's my source. What you owe me, you actually owe Him. And He's forgiven me so much, I cannot make you pay me back before I release you. So, from your heart means you take that photograph of that moment that you've been hurt, that someone did something to you. That moment where someone failed you, and took advantage of you, and lied to you, and and robbed you, and, and, and took your innocence. And, and you take, and that's your mission. My mission, God, if you have a hard time releasing that person, I'm not saying trusting that person again, but releasing them of that debt. If you have a difficult time releasing them, it was so bad what they did, I will never forgive them. Then, then you're in a hard place, because if you refuse to even try to forgive them, you're acknowledging that you don't have the revelation of what you were forgiven of, and you put yourself down a path that's dangerous. And so your mission is to get that revelation of how much you've been forgiven. And that is why. Not because that person deserves it. Not because you love that person and want to forgive them. But because you acknowledge to God, this is it. that person hurt me and I don't want to forgive them. They don't deserve it. But I really owe that debt to you because you forgave me of so much more. So I have no right to hold that person captive to the damage they did to me. I'm not talking about accountability, and I'm not talking about trusting them again. I think many people who damage other people need to be boxed up or held back so they stop damaging other people. But I'm talking about you personally forgiving them so they don't owe you before you move on. So it's you saying, I accept, I have. A, I will work on my revelation. When When you have a hard time, Forgiving someone, releasing them from what they owe you, releasing them from that moment of time, then you lack a revelation of what God, how much God loves you, because you need to know that the person who hurt you, no matter how bad it was, God loves them as much as they He loves you. God wants them forgiven and in heaven as much as He loves you and wants you in heaven. I had one lady; she was an intercessor by title by her own title years and years ago and i remember her telling me yeah i've been in intercession over uh, praying against witchcraft and there's some witches out there somewhere sending curses to me and hindering the work of god and and in intercession i i fought back and i sent that curse back sevenfold and i stopped there i said whoa wait 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 whoa, whoa, hold hold your horse hold on i said that's not how intercession works not that God wants you to go into a war with a person who's trying to hurt you. Yeah, they may be sending people, sending curses and, and witches saying things and cursing you. Well, you don't get into a fight where you curse them back seven times fooled. That's witchcraft, fighting witchcraft in the name of God. I say, what you want to say is, God, I forgive them. Send your love and mercy to them, even though they're saying and trying to harm the work of God and trying to harm us and stop us from doing the work of God, we send back grace and mercy, because they don't know what they're doing. They're being deceived and under deception. They need salvation as much as I need salvation. And they need forgiveness as much as I need forgiveness. And so we forgive ourselves and we forgive others. And from our heart means that however long it takes for you to get it to where it's from your heart, where they can walk in the room and you don't want bad things happening to them where you're not competing against them, that moment to where you've released them. That's your mission. God, help me to get to the place of freeing myself from that moment. Otherwise, you're under control. You're still under control of that moment. And, And you want to be free. You want to be free from your past, free from all the damage that happened. And really, to be honest with you, forgiving others allows God to bring healing to you. When you don't forgive others you're saying this brokenness can only be repaired when that person pays me back what they owe me but by releasing them and letting their debt be swallowed up in the blood of christ you're allowing god to come and heal you with his love by him paying the price it's as if he would come to you and say you know that person that owes you ten thousand dollars why don't you let me pay that debt to replenish what was stolen from you, an owed to you, if you forgive them, I will pay it back to you, and that's where many Christians struggle in life because they don't forgive, and they don't it's not on purpose, it's just sometimes out of fear. I mean, you get hurt enough times, you kind of build a, a habitual lifestyle of it of expecting it, and then you you build in that because you expect it, you put people around you who hurt you. And sometimes we like to be victims. We're not allowed to be victims. There's no victims in the gospel. We're only sons and daughters, and we're we're not victims. We're above being victims. We're beyond being victims. No one could make you a victim. You're free from that because of the blood of Christ, what he did for you. So let's close in prayer. And one good minister that we love, he said that he had unforgiveness towards a man who who basically stole his wife from him, and and he forgave. God told him, I want you to forgive them, your wife and the man that stole your ex-wife from you. And he said, I don't want to forgive them, I want to kill them. He said, I really wanted to. And he said, but God told him, I want you to forgive them. And so every day he had to pray God's blessing over them. And he said, for much of the beginning, he would pray God's blessing on them, and God's forgiveness on them. And he'd say, I don't mean it, but I'm going to say it. And it took him a long time, but he stayed true to the word that God told him, I want you to forgive them from your heart. And after a while, eventually his heart was for God to bless them. And he said that in that time when I could actually really believe that I wanted them blessed, he said, God show me the things that I did in all that drama, the things that I added to it where I thought I was a victim, but actually I was a participant. He never would have seen that to grow from it himself if he never walked in forgiveness and pursued forgiveness. So forgiveness sometimes takes time for you from your heart, but you can start immediately to make the choice and say, God, I choose to forgive every person who owes me. And you can rip up those photographs. And when your natural man tries to bring up those old pictures, you may have to rip them up every day and say, no, I forgave them of that moment. It's over. And listen, when, when someone hurts you and they go to God for forgiveness, maybe they didn't ask you to forgive them, but they've changed. And you go and you accuse them in your heart. You say, God, I, I accuse this person of hurting me. God says, I don't remember that because they've been forgiven. So then you're a liar, even though something actually happened because God's forgiven them. Well, we don't want to be in that category. Let's forgive them every one of them and if your natural man keeps bringing up those photographs no matter how hard it is i know this can be hard for some people it's like no problem at all they just walk through hard times other people they get hurt they're very tender some people they've been really hurt like horrible horrible things have happened to them and this can seem like a hard message because Yeah, I'll forgive the girl for stealing my lollipop. But this really happened. This bad thing, really evil thing, really happened to me from another person. And they meant to hurt me. And this can seem like a hard message that still, even that person, you must forgive them. And you can think, well, that's just unfair. Yes, it's not fair. No one deserves forgiveness. Just like you didn't deserve forgiveness but because of the love of Christ, we put it onto His account. We put their pain, their suffering that they put on people, and we put it onto the cross, and we give it to Christ, and say, I put this on this account to Christ, paid in full. Therefore, I forgive, because Christ forgave me. So, even though it may take time of you saying, I forgive, I want that to be your heart. I want that to be our heart on a daily basis, that we we're forgiving people. We're People around us know they can fail us and not be hit in the head with a hammer. That they experience the love of God through us. Sometimes even the people who are unfair experience the love of God through us because we know we have such a revelation of His mercy and His grace for our own life. And you may not have been a murderer or a horrible person and you got saved, but you were as... You were going to hell just right next to every, every bad person in history. doesn't matter how good you were. If you're not born again, you're going to hell. Your nature of sin was as evil as the worst person in history, as evil as Hitler's. You needed grace. You needed mercy. You needed forgiveness from that old nature that Jesus paid for. It's a debt you can never pay. He paid a debt that he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. I needed someone to wash my sins away. And now I sing a brand new song, Amazing Grace, all day long. Christ Jesus paid the debt that I could never pay. And because of that, I forgive. I forgive and I will forgive until it's from my heart and I see that person through God's eyes instead of my eyes, through God's eyes instead of my past, And then your future is not restricted in any way. And God has great things for your future. But unforgiveness will stop you from walking into your future. Let's pray. Father, thank you for helping us to be people of forgiving, people of love, of compassion. Not just the the broken, but even the ones who are doing damage, the ones who have hurt us in the past. Help us to know and embrace Your mercy and Your grace so we can pass that on to them. They don't know how much You love them. Maybe that's why they're bitter. Maybe that's why they're hurting people. Maybe that's why they damaged people, because they don't know who You are or how much You love them. But we will not add to that. We forgive. Help us to forgive from our heart. But we make a decision today that we forgive every person, who hurt us. And Father, we forgive even ourselves of our mistakes of the past, that we are looking to the future, not to the past. The future is bright, the future is whole, the future is powerful, and the future is full of love, love for us and love for everyone that we know and meet. Let them experience your mercy and your grace and your love in such a way that they'll want you more than anything in the world. So, Father, we thank You that as we choose to forgive because of Your love, not because anyone deserves it, that Your mercy and grace and strength is on us to accept it from our heart, we forgive. Thank You for Your love towards us, and thank You for paying a debt we can never pay. In Jesus' name. I'm proud of You. I love You. Thank You for spending time with me. God bless you.